This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Olu George Ministries presents Focus on Freedom Podcast. We're covering the face of the earth with the knowledge of the glory of God. Welcome to an encounter with timeless, transcendent, and triumphant truth. Here's your brother, friend, and messenger, Alu M. George. What an amazing study we have been having, or shall I say studies, over the past several weeks. We have been meditating, discussing, and fellowshipping around the mystery, the secret hidden truths of the four-square gospel or and the four-square Jesus. Jesus is a lot of things. You go through the Bible from Revel- from Genesis to Revelation. He's, he's the seed of the woman. He is the high priest. He is a prophet. He is the friend that stays closer than a brother. He is the king's man redeemer. He is, the, he is a lot of things. But we want to look at Jesus through four lenses in the course of these teachings. Number one, Jesus is a savior from sin. You don't have to just go to heaven. You can live above sin. You can live above lies and adultery and fornication and stealing, theft and dishonesty. You can live above um, above lusts. You can live above homosexuality. You can live above sin. It is your heritage in Christ. You can live above sickness and disease. I did it by the grace of God. I didn't do it. I I, I take that back. I repent. The Lord did it in me and through me. 21 years of divine healing. I don't say that to glorify myself. I say that to testify at what is possible. And then I fell away from that. And I'm clawing my way back there. I'm clawing my way back to the place where I can say confidently and without any fear of contradiction, Jesus is my doctor. Jesus is Jehovah Rapha. Jesus is my personal physician. We brought our study, our last study to an an end by looking at the ability of God. Is God able to heal? That is hardly ever the question. I have never met a believer in God who says, well, I don't think God can heal this, this. I don't think God can. I have never seen such a believer. That would be an atheist. Every believer knows that God can do anything, anytime, anywhere. He can do anything he likes, whenever he likes, however he likes. The difficulty with unbelieving believers, and that is not a a derogatory statement. We We all have to deal with unbelief, even though it's not in our nature. It's not part of the new creation. The new creation walks and breathes and lives in God effortlessly. The new creation man or woman walks and breathes and lives in God on autopilot. Faith is autopilot for the saint of God. But we have to be instructed. Our eyes have to be opened to see who we are and whose we are. You see, the world talks about who they are. 
Everybody knows who they are. But the world does not know whose they are. The unsaved, the sinners. You see them on social media. I know who I am. I know who I am. I'm living according to my truth. But whose are you? Who you are depend on whose you are. But we know whose we are. And therefore we know who we are. Because we know whose we are. I felt like just shouting right there. Paul, on the way to Rome in that treacherous trip, he says, the angel of the Lord stood by me last night, the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. Whose I am and who I serve. Faith is not a struggle for us, but we have to know whose we are. Because the faith of Jesus is at work in us. It's not really our faith. We have been saved by grace through faith. So it is grace that allows the faith of God to come into our heart. Because when truth comes to us, when God-given truth, God-revealed truth comes, it is preceded by grace, according to John chapter 1. So the ability of God is never the problem. It is the willingness of God that we doubt. It is the willingness of God that we have trouble with. We look at great saints who have died of sickness and disease. And we can't believe that it is the will of God to heal. This saint is clo- was close to God. This was a holy woman of God. We see saints who themselves have preached the truth of divine healing, who have been used by God to heal other people, and they die of sickness and disease. And we can't, we can't accept that. So we doubt his will, his willingness. The problem is... Knowing the ability of God alone does does nothing for faith. Knowing the ability of God alone does little, let me say, for faith. A man came to Jesus. His son had symptoms of epileptic seizures from childhood. He will go into seizures, foaming at the mouth, And the spirit in him is trying to throw him into the fire and into the river to drown him. So this desperate father came to Jesus, begging and pleading, Lord, if you can do anything, do something and save us. Did he doubt Jesus' power to heal? I don't think so. He's heard reports of his healing power. He came because he's heard. For many came to Jesus in those days to hear and to be healed of their diseases. So he knew Jesus could heal, but he didn't know that Jesus would heal this one, this particular one, this my particular one. And Jesus said to him, no, no, the, ch- the challenge is not if I can, the challenge is if you will believe. And in desperation, he screams again, Lord, help my faith, help my unbelief, I believe, help. My unbelief. So the difficulty is not whether God has the power, but whether God wants to do it today, tomorrow, the day after. Whether God wants to do it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Whether God will do it in response to the prayer of a great healing evangelist or the prayer of a lowly saint, a lowly child of God. That's the problem. But like I said, ability alone is not enough to help our faith. The leper came to Jesus. Lord, I know you will heal me. I know you can heal me if you want to. 
Jesus reacted violently, not violently physically, but violently in the spirit, by reaching out and touching the leper. You, you, don't, you don't want to touch a leper under normal circumstances. Under the Old Testament, where Jesus lived and worked, a leper is not even allowed in, in polite and civil society. A leper or someone with hemorrhage has to be shouting if they must go out, unclean, unclean, unclean because of contagion. So the average preacher will not touch a leper, but not Jesus. He reached for his hand, touched the leper and said, I will. Don't ever doubt my ability, my willingness, sorry. Because the leper came and said, you can heal me if you will. And that's what we struggle with. God can heal me if he wills. But I don't know if he wills. I have no evidence. I have no, 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 no conviction that he wills. Jesus said, once and for all, destroying the lie. I will. I always will. And therefore now be healed. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I don't care. And it is not relevant. How long this disease has been in your body? It is not relevant how much damage it has done to your eyesight or your liver or your kidney. It's totally inconsequential, stage one or stage 100. God wants you well and you are healed in the name of Jesus. Jesus said, I will. I will. I will. I will. Ability, knowing the ability of God, being conversant of the ability of God, believing in the ability of God does nothing for faith. It does something for prayer, though. It does something for hope. It does something for wishes. You wish this powerful God will visit your house. But you don't know that he has visited your house. You don't know that by his stripes you are healed. On the other hand, willingness, once willingness is established, faith is automatic and unconscious. Once willingness, let me give you an example. Imagine a wealthy businessman, Christian, godly and righteous businessman worth, let's say, 100 million rand. Their assets and they have 50 million in liquid cash. Stocks and bonds and buildings and companies, 500 million, 1 billion rands net worth. And this Christian, righteous, godly, holy man goes into a room with 100 students and says, I have the means to give each and every one of you 1 million rand. Does everybody in that room now believe they have 1 million rand? No, they sure hope they do. They wish they do. They probably will even pray if they are Christians, Lord, please touch his heart to do this. To do this. His ability to give one million to each person does not help any person. If he comes into the room and says, I have the ability to give 50 of you, that's half, one million run each. Do they start breaking out into applause and rejoicing? I don't think so. Because it's knowing that he's able does nothing for their faith. But what would happen 
if, as the man walks into this meeting, after being introduced, his first statement is, just before I came up to this podium to speak to you today, the spirit of a living God instructed me to wire 100 million rand into each of your accounts. So I called the school or your offices and I got all your individual accounts and I paid in a million rand each. How will the people respond? I know how I will respond. I will break into a dance. I will break into a song. I will start singing in my mother tongue. I will start praising God by all his Wonderful names, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah El Shaddai, El Olam, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rofeka. I will break into a dance and a jig because knowing his willingness. Sorry, I think I put the card before the horse. Before saying that, he says, I want to have decided I'm going to give each one of you one million. You will, you, everybody, everywhere will go crazy. But if he says, I have already made a transfer, it will break out into pandemonium. So knowing his ability is great, is a beginning point, is a starting point, but his willingness is really the key. But knowing that he has already wired the money, even if you look in your FMB account, and you know this is a man of God, this is a holy man, he will never lie. He said he has done the transfer, but you look in your FMB account and there's no one million around there. You look one hour after, there's no one million. You look two hours, three hours, and then you realize he paid from Standard Bank. If you know how EFTs work, you will start to dance and pray. Well, I've got good news for you today. Today is your lucky day. Today is your blessed day. We are not lucky, we are blessed. God is not only able to heal every disease, he is willing to heal every disease, and he has already healed Every disease. Doubting God's ability must be insulting to God. When someone doubts your ability, it must be insulting to you. If you are a father and your child doubts your ability to provide, even though you have provided, and even though you are more than capable of providing financially, and your son expresses doubt in your ability to provide, you will feel insulted. So it surely must be insulting to doubt God's ability. But which is more insulting, to doubt God's ability or to doubt his willingness? To help you, let me ask you this one. If someone came to you and said, hey, I know you will give me a thousand rands right now, if you could. I know you will give me a thousand rands if you could because you know I need it for food. I need it for electricity. I need it for water. And my family is freezing in this winter. I know you will give me a thousand. I know your heart. You will give me a thousand in a flash without even thinking about it if you could. Or if they said to you, I know you have 10,000 to give me. But I'm not, I, don't, I doubt that you will give me even a thousand because I know your heart. Because I don't know your heart. I know your finances. I know your muscle. I know your financial muscle and stature. But I doubt that you are willing to give me. Don't you ever doubt God's willingness to bless you? Don't you ever doubt his willingness 
to heal you. Don't ever doubt his willingness to put laughter in your mouth. Don't ever doubt his willingness to put joy in your heart. Let me say this before we close. You have to realize that sickness and disease is very, very spiritual. We are not natural human beings. All humans, we we have the natural component of the physical body, but we are really spirit beings. We are spirits with souls living in the body. So we are not really necessarily human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings navigating human experience. First Thessalonians 5.23 I pray that God will sanctify your spirit, your soul, your body, and that you be totally, completely holy until the coming of the Lord. So Jesus, according to Scripture, is the Savior of the Spirit. He is the Savior of the soul. He is the Savior of the body. So the death of Jesus on the cross goes to the root, the spiritual root of all of human maladies, all of human suffering, all of human problems, and that is disconnection from the life of God, disconnection from the touch and the flow, disconnection from the electricity of God. And so once you join man back to God in the spirit, the life and the DNA and the power of God flows into the mind and into the body. If we know how to connect and to stay connected, the difficulty is most don't know how to connect or stay connected. So the root of sickness is spiritual. That is why Jesus looked at that young child who was having seizures, foaming at the mouth, and being th- and falling into fire, falling into water. Jesus didn't cast out a spirit of epilepsy. He cast out a spirit, a deaf and dumb spirit. A deaf and dumb spirit. So it was spiritual. But but the doctors and the pharma- pharmacies, pharmacists are doing putting chemicals to solve a spiritual problem. The woman who was bowed down for 18 years. I'm sure medical science will have terminologies to describe what the condition of our muscles and our skeleton is. But Jesus said, this is the binding of Satan. Satan bound this woman. And how does he do it? By demonic power. Sin is the root of sickness. Now, I don't mean that everyone who is sick sinned. I mean, without the basis of sin, there would have been no sickness in the world. How do I know that? There was no sickness in the garden, in Eden. And there would be no sickness in the New Jerusalem. There was no sickness in the beginning. There would be no sickness in the end. When did sickness come? After man fell? After man gave the authority that God gave him to Satan? After man chose to believe Satan over God. God says, you will not eat that fruit. Satan said, you will eat it and get knowledge. You will know good and evil. Satan did not tell them, you will fellowship with evil and good. You will participate in evil and good. You will experience things I never wanted you to experience. He didn't, he didn't for example, want man to labor and to sweat before he eats. 
He didn't want man tilling the ground and the ground yielding only 10% of the potential of the ground. He wanted man to sow and he will give them 100 fold, a thousand fold harvest. But when the curse came, weeds and parasites and pests came and took over. And man would labor and sweat to be able to eat bread. It was never meant, he was never meant to know that. And not just know in an intellectual way. He was never meant to know that in experience. He was never meant to fellowship with that. Satan didn't tell him that. Ah, you be like God. You will know everything. No, you will know the pain of the curse. You will know sorrow. As a woman, you will know the sorrow of pregnancy, the, the riot of hormones in your body. The pain of childbirth that will kill an average man. You will know that pain, and yet you will long for that baby. Five minutes after labor, when they put that brand new baby in your chest, you will long to make another baby. And then you'll be in that vicious cycle of pain. He didn't want them to know. You know, the Jews had... The right idea, but they applied it wrongly. In John chapter 9, verse 1 to 5, there was a man that was born blind. So the disciples said to Jesus, we know that sickness is the ba- sin is the base of sickness. So this man that was born blind, was it he that sinned before he was born? Or was it his parents? Jesus answered, not him, not his parents. It was not, it's not necessarily individual sin that brings individual sickness. It was the original sin of Adam that opened the door for sickness and disease to enter the earth. But this one, this blindness exists for the glory of God. If you are going through sickness and disease and pain and you are wondering, why does God allow me to go through this pain? Why does God allow his children to go through this pain? So that when the healing comes, you can tell the difference. How would we know the power of healing except we have felt the pain and the limitations of sickness? That is why most men that God uses greatly in the area of divine healing themselves were victims of debilitating illness earlier in their lives. I'm thinking of Ora Roberts of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Tuberculosis as a child. I'm thinking of Kenneth E. Hagen. Same thing. Bedfast at the age of 16. God taught him the word. God visited him on the hospital bed as an invalid, raised him back to life, and he had 60 years of miracle healings, tremendous healings, especially in the area of cancer. This sickness exists to the glory of God. Not the sickness, but the healing of it. I believe that when a man is healed, when a woman is healed, glory is given to God, as opposed to when they are sick. Now, it is possible for a saint to glorify God in their sickness. It is possible to glorify God in spite of sickness. But when sickness is healed, even the unbelieving will glorify God. And so those who want to walk in divine healing must first of all walk in divine holiness. Not in the religious holiness, not in the holier than thou, not in the religious of religious holiness of outward appearances and, and, and humble disposition. I'm talking about the 
empowered holiness that comes from the Holy Spirit working in the heart of a man to make him hate sin. That kind of holiness. The holiness that springs from walking in the righteousness of God, which is the gift of God's grace. That holiness removes the basis of Satan to come into your life. Lift your hands to heaven and worship him for his grace. Worship him for his healing power. And if you are listening to this by any means and you are not born again, you are not saved. Jesus is not your Lord and Savior. You don't have hope and confidence beyond this life. Don't wait anymore. Fall on your knees right now. Give your heart to Jesus. Talk to him like he's listening. He is and you will be saved in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Focus on Freedom Podcast. For more information, please visit olugeorgeministries.global or send a WhatsApp inquiry to plus 27-81-300-6633. Also, like, subscribe, and share our content on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. See you next time. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.